Welcome to day 123 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matt Kresge and David Keefe as we continue our journey through the book of Judges. Uh, we've uh, just finished a longer section of the book of Judges that talks about uh, Samson, uh, one who is you know, in, in many ways, you know, from the surface, you know, very heroic in some of his exploits, but the more deeply you look into his life, the more self-motivated he was and the more temporary his actions and his victories you know truly were he does not unite israel he does not you know point them back toward their god and they're enslaved when he begins you know his uh his rule over israel or leading of israel and they're still enslaved at, at the end of it and he finally you know dies along with you know his enemies and uh is, is buried we come to you know the ugliest event in the book of judges which is in some sense the the climax of the book of Judges, which shows just how far the people have drifted, uh, you know, from the heart of the promises, you know, that God has given them the challenges that uh, Moses gave them in the book of Deuteronomy and the challenges, you know, that Joshua gave them, you know, in the book of Joshua. Uh, they are fulfilling all of the negative warnings, uh, you know, that both uh, Moses and Joshua gave them, you know, as, as, as leaders. And you come to a, a final incident that uh, causes civil war among israel and a couple of really foolish solutions you know along the way and it's it's kind of a horrific you know anti-climax to a to a book that really shows us the sovereign hand of god but it that does not show us a people that are faithful to god so we come to uh, judges uh, chapter 19 uh, before we uh, read david wants you uh, Offer this moment um, and um, lead us to offer ourselves, you know, to the Lord as, as we read Scripture uh, to understand the heart of our God and, and to be drawn and have our affections, you know, stirred toward Him. Now let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we humbly ask now that as we come before You and, and before Your Word, that You would you would teach us and instruct us um, and you would remind us of who you are and who you desire us to be as as your people as we see a really rough picture of, of what it looks like to be so far um, from your heart um, we deeply desire to be close to your heart in the way that we live and the way that we act and the way we speak and and think and we know that's only a work that you can do in and among us as your people and so we ask that you would do the transformative work of helping us be your people here in this time and in this place for your glory. We pray us all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Judges 19. In those days, Israel had no king. Now Levite, who lived in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But she was unfaithful to him. She left him and went back to her parents' home in Bethlehem, Judah. After she had been there for four months, her husband went to her to persuade her to return. He had with him his servant and two donkeys. She took him into her parents' home, and when her father saw him, he gladly welcomed him. His father-in-law, the woman's father, prevailed on him to stay, so he remained with him three days, eating and drinking and sleeping there. On the fourth day, he got up early, and he prepared to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, "'Refresh yourself with something to eat, then you can go.' So the two of them sat down to eat and drink together." Afterward, the woman's father said, Please stay tonight and enjoy yourself. And when the man got up to go, his father-in-law persuaded him, so he stayed there that night. 
On the morning of the fifth day, when he rose to go, the woman's father said, Refresh yourself, wait till afternoon. So the two of them ate together. Then when the man with his concubine and his servant got up to leave, his father-in-law and one's father said, Now look, it's almost evening. Spend the night here, and the day is nearly over. Stay and enjoy yourself. Early tomorrow morning, you can get up and be on your way. But unwilling to stay another night, the man left and went toward Jebus, that is Jerusalem, with his two saddled donkeys and his concubine. When they were near Jebus, on the day was almost gone, the servant said to his master, Come, let's stop at this city of the Jebusites and spend the night. His master replied, No, we won't go into any city whose people are not Israelites. We will go on to Gibeah. He added, Come, let's try to reach Gibeah or Ramah and spend the night in one of those places. So they went on, and the sun set as they neared Gibeah and Benjamin. There they stopped to spend the night. They went and sat in the city square, but no one took the men for the night. That evening, an old man from the hill country of Ephraim, who was living in Gibeah, the inhabitants of the place where Benjamites, came in from his work in the fields. When he looked and saw the traveler in the city square, the old man asked, Where are you going? Where did you come from? He answered, We're on our way from Bethlehem and Judah to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim where I live. I've been to Bethlehem and Judah, and now I'm going to the house of the Lord. No one has taken me in for the night. We have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for ourselves, your servants, me, the woman, and the young man with us. We don't need anything. You're welcome to stay at my house, the old man said. Let me supply whatever you need, only do not spend the night in the square. So he took him into his house and he fed his donkeys. After they had washed their feet, they had something to eat and drink. While they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house, pounding on the door. They shouted to the old man who owned the house, Bring out the man who came to your house so that we can have sex with him. The owner of the house went outside and said to him, No, my friends, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, don't do this outrageous thing. Look, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. I'll bring them out to you now, and you can use them and do to them whatever you wish. But as for this man... Don't do such an outrageous thing. But the men would not listen to him, so the men took his concubine and sent her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her throughout the night. And at dawn they let her go. At daybreak the woman went back into the house where her master was staying, fell down at the door, and lay there until daylight. When her master got up in the morning and opened the door of the house and stepped out uh, to continue on his way, there lay his concubine, fallen in the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let's go. But there was no answer. And the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When they reached home, he took a knife and he cut up his concubine limb by limb into twelve parts and sent them into all areas of Israel. Everyone who saw it was saying to one another, Such a thing has never been seen or done, not since the day the Israelites came up out of Egypt. Just imagine, we must do something. So speak up. So there we have uh, the concluding incident of the book of uh, Judges. It will lead to many more rash decisions and rash judgments and uh, even ungodly you know, actions you know, in, in, in the follow-up to it. And, of course, if you're hearing this, you ought to hear the echo you know, back up you know, from the book of Genesis of uh, Sodom and, and, and Gomorrah. And the clear, you know, the clear implication of this is, you know, things have gotten just as bad with the people of God. And one of the most severe situations of God's judgment, you know, the call for God's judgment in the Old Testament, where he uh, rained down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah for 
for who they were, and the outcry had gone up against him. And of course, you have an irony here of him uh, saying, we don't want to stay in the land of the Jebusites, let's go you mm-hmm. know, to the house of Israel, and it's here in the house of Israel that uh, you, you see the echoes of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Since we last read with uh, Samson, you know, that first verse is the third time we've heard this refrain since Samson. Right. In those days, Israel had no king. There is no king. And, you know, sure, there was no human king, but even when we finish up this book and we move into, um, you know, we meet Samuel, Samuel's going to recognize, no, the Lord is king mm-hmm. over Israel. Uh, and so the rejection of this, they had no king, is a rejection of God himself. And and in that rejection, you're right, they've become just like the nation, you know, or the town that, that is the most despised. And yeah. I mean, you think of one, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, they become kind of that that picture of the worthy of God's judgment, the worst of nations, and, and Israel's never meant to be that. Even, you know, when Jesus is teaching, he would say, talking about judgment on another nation, it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, in, in he that uses day, that as an illustration. Right. And here Israel has become just like you know that that just like that town Sodom uh, and Gomorrah and it would have been safer to stop it with the Jebusites than the Israelites and obviously every bit is worthy of God's judgment you know as the people around them every bit is worthy of God's judgment you know as Sodom and Gomorrah and yet there's a deeper tragedy to this because they had known the power of God the person of God and had the word of God yeah and yet uh, they have fallen so far away from him that they're no different than nations. And, yeah. of course, the call you know, for them was mm-hmm. to be a, a holy priesthood, near a royal priesthood and a holy nation uh, to reflect God's heart and character. And now they're reflecting the heart and the character of the very worst of the worst of the worst uh, of their culture. Yeah. There's also that I, you know, kind of deep irony in this text as well that you know, the people recognize, you know, nothing like this has ever been done in Israel. And, and Israel, you know, when we kind of begin the book of Judges, you know, the call for them really is to to not be like other nations and to you know, defeat the other nations, to get them out of the land, you know. And, and yet here it's not the other nations that we've seen in this book, you know, kind of ravaging, or it's not Israel themselves being oppressed by the Philistines or other nations. It's now they're ravaging one another. Yeah. And so God's people not only are... You know, being ravaged by their enemies, but the enemy is no. lies inside the nation. And the same things happen today. I mean, we can so quickly begin to look like the culture around us, the nations around us, and then also having the kind of infighting amongst ourselves as believers. You know, and so these things may seem so far removed, but really they're so close to so often what what we see and experience, which is deeply saddening. Um, and especially in light of who we're supposed to be as God's people, he kind of here in this place, in this city, um, to, to reflect his heart and to, to be salt and to, to be light. So often we fall short of that. And, and of course, the results, you know, from this are, are going to be, you know, exactly, you know, what you would expect even when they do, you know, speak up and take things into their own hands. They... Uh, they go in directions that are a little too far that just reads from one bad solution to another solution until uh, you do you know lead up you know to the uh, you know to the book of you know to the book of Samuel so it is a it is a dark picture you know as we as we came up it's a horrible scene I and mean, it's in some ways almost you're just speechless that 
this uh, would ever even happen. I mean, in any nation, much less in in the nation that was meant to be called God's people and to live as a light to the nations. You know, let's, you know, let's humiliate, you know, your guest by raping him. Oh, please don't. You can have my daughter. Here is this, you know, concubine. It seems as if the daughter was spared. And of course, they uh, so abuse her. And and she's reaching out, you know, her, you know, you have that symbol of her hand on the threshold where Mm. she barely makes it back, you know, and and loses her life. So it begins with her unfaithfulness to him, it ends with his unfaithfulness to, uh, you know, to her. And, And of course, Israel's unfaithfulness all the way through. You know, to their God. So it is a it is a very stark stark picture. Mm. Father, we're horrified when we see uh, the extent and the ugliness of sin, and we recognize that in our own hearts we have the same seeds of unfaithfulness and the same tendency to walk away from you, and uh, we don't heed the warnings of how. Sin can seize us and control us. And of course, you know, James told us when we're enticed by our own desires, it uh, leads to, uh, you know, finally leads to death and destruction. And uh, we're seeing this in the nation of Israel. Help us, Father, uh, to see it in ourselves and to look to the provision you've given us in another very ugly scene where you were nailed to the cross, bet upon, beaten, and abused for us. You are a gracious Savior. And we thank you for the price you paid in order to redeem and store us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.